You are listening to Miller and Moulton, exclusively on the Florida Sports Network. And now, here's Mark Miller and David Moulton. Hour two of Miller and Moulton on this hump day. We're getting over it together. Pat Kerwin joins us live from the Combine in Indianapolis in 35 minutes' time. Seth Everett, one hour from now, we'll talk some hockey before the show runs its course, or at least before the Diamond District bonus hour for those in the 239. Text line 21,000. Started the show just, you know, talking about a few things off the top of our heads, and uh, I made reference to, uh, I think, my next game that I travel to could be Brazil. Because we're convinced at Monday Night Football we're going to get that game. And we'll see. We'll maybe surprised if we don't. But, and since it's the day after the season opens, I don't know if I'm doing any traveling before that. And I made a comment about, you know, me in Brazil and should I really see the sights or, you know, mingle or, or what, what am I best staying in the hotel room? Don't you guys do one preseason game? Well, yeah, that's true. I don't really count it, but. But like, you yeah. have to go. You I mean, you are required to be there. Actually, I'm not. I could get out of it if I want, okay? Because in a preseason game, I mean, it's a joke. I'm stealing money. I, I just, I there's, I don't know if there's anything that I say. First off, I don't know if I say four things, honestly. I mean, you know, strategy in a preseason game. And we had a really good one last year. You know, there's a couple scores in the final minutes, and it was, you know, as exciting as a third week of August game could be. But, I mean... You know, come on. We had a comment in the uh, off of Facebook because you can take the show in six million different ways. One of them is Facebook at the Miller and Moulton page, and he says the Dolphins are in cap hell, and I wanted to address it because they're not really in the cap hell. No, that people think that they are. No, uh, so they were the third worst, I think, on paper. And they're still the third worst, but they got a thirteen million dollar gift from the NFL as did everybody else. So that took them from like 50-something million to 42 million that they're over the cap. Well, they just announced that they're cutting Ogba and X. Now, the X savings don't start till June 1st, but, I mean, that's three-quarters of, you know, what they were over the cap right there. But granted, it doesn't get them to the point. They have to be at 255.4 on March 17th. Right. So the X number doesn't necessarily help them immediately. It will help them greatly come June 1st. But two is up for a contract extension. They can lower his cap hit, which is currently a little over $22 million. Waddle can get a contract extension for the first time. They can lower his cap hit by a couple million dollars. But also, Jerome Baker's got a $10.6 million cap charge. They've already said to him, uh, restructure or we're going to cut you. And so that could be $10 million in savings right there. I mean, on paper, it looks bad, but the Dolphin situation, actually, they could go from $50 million over to $40 million under with basic bookkeeping by NFL standards. Now, what does that do to their cap situation in 25, 26, 27? It's probably, in a few instances, kicking some cans down the road. But then again, if the cap's going to go up, <clears throat> excuse me, $25, 30000000 a year, then, you know, I think kicking the can down the road will be easier to do for all teams. 
So, it, you know, you already knew about a couple of the cuts that they were going to make. The two assigning will help, not hurt, when that gets done as well. So there's just a couple of the things that people were concerned about with the Dolphins in their cap. What are they going to do with Wilkins? Are they going to keep him or let him go? Obviously, if they let him go, that's all that money that they save. If they're going to pay him, can they structure it in a way in which they keep him? He makes more, but he actually counts less against the cap, which often is the case. You know, it's NFL bookkeeping. It is the most creative accounting that's ever been done outside of the government. I was going to say, I just... Uh, Public accounting. Right. By the way, apparently we are $22 trillion over the cap with no plans to uh, to get down to, to no, the cap. We kick that can down the road, David. <laughs> yes. I mean, that's what we yes, do with that can. Yeah. We just kick it down the road. Yeah, I don't think it's a can anymore. No. I mean, it's got to be at least a six-pack of cans, don't you think? It's more like a barrel. you got to injure your foot if you're kicking that sucker down the road. There, There is no question about that. But on paper, the Dolphin situation looks bad. But believe it or not, it can be easily rectified is the thought process in amongst NFL people. Now, we'll see. We'll see how much ball they're willing to play. How much cash is Stephen Jones willing to take out of his pocket? A lot of deals could get restructured here. Are they going to bring back Robert Hunt? And if so, what will it cost? They're going to bring back Connor Williams. And if so, what will it cost? So I would expect some very creative bookkeeping by the Dolphins over the next two weeks because they have a lot that they have to address, especially at the line of scrimmage mark. That's two offensive linemen who were starters. That's, depending on who you talk to, their best defensive lineman. He certainly was heading into last year. I'm not sure that he was last year, but he certainly was for a few years heading into last year. So, in, in Wilkins. So, what are they going to do? In theory, they got to replace X. Are they going to do that on the cheap? They're going to do it through in the draft? They're going to do it from within? You First know, off, Wilkins, what would you do? I agree with Pat a lot of the time in terms of there are only so many big men who can do that. Yeah, I'd pay him. And so I I don't want to tag him, though. I mean, the tag for his position is over 23, and that's a hard count against the cap. You can't maneuver that. So I don't want to tag him, but I do want to keep him and guarantee money for two years probably and then maybe be able to move off them in 26. Very curious all the griping that is not so quietly going on by the Dolphins' defenders. Remember what their big move was in the offseason last year? It was the hiring of the defensive coordinator, best in the business. Well, it's funny. A lot of the Dolphins' players are going, listen, he's a good coach, but his style didn't really work with our group, and not only that – he wasn't as aggressive as we wanted him to be. Like the way they played against the Chiefs is apparently the way that Jalen Ramsey and others wanted him to play. Like they blitzed a lot against the Chiefs because they were so shorthanded they thought the only chance they had was to just try to cut the head off the snake. They played a lot of man. Vic liked to play a lot of zone. Ramsey talked Ramsey about doesn't it. like zone. Oh, I and mean, he, he said X isn't a zone corner either. Right. You were taking away from like Ramsey's already said X is going to go elsewhere and be phenomenal. He goes, if he just goes to somebody who wants to play man, he's the top corner in the league. We didn't play man enough. And so I'm curious how much the Dolphins and how much some of their players think 
that even though Vic's terrific, but that his thing didn't really jive with our thing. You know, and he's kind of a, you know, fit what you guys into my system. And the, they kind of looked at him going, I think you really needed to adjust your system to us. Well, and I mean, that's, you know, you start with who the best is at the defensive side, and it's Belichick. And they were never a man team. They were never a zone team. They were a team that adjusted to their opponent. And right. that's what I think, you know, the Miami players that are speaking up are really talking about is that, they didn't want to see the same thing game in, game out. Makes you a little too predictable. Like, there's an interesting talk now going on in Dallas, not just in terms of demeanor, the difference between Dan Quinn and Mike Zimmer. I mean, that's a staggering difference in personality. You know, happy, peppy, and then, you know, a meat grinder. But Zimmer is blitz crazy. Uh, Zimmer will blitz 60% of the time. Oh, Dan Quinn's not a blitzer. Dan Quinn will actually play a lot of three safety look. And and come on, every defense likes blitzing. It's like linemen like to run block. I mean, <laughs> right. I mean, it's it's. Oh, you're right. They want to go forward. It's easier attacking. And so now the question is: is you know you look at some of the Dol- the Cowboys personnel, excuse me, and you go, are they a better fit for what Dan was doing? Because remember, up until the playoff game against the Packers, I mean, the Cowboys defensively had been pretty darn good the last three years. Not against Green Bay in the playoffs. And so when you're looking at your personnel, does it fit the system? Or is Zimmer going to have to change and not be as blitz crazy as he was with Cincinnati and Minnesota? And also how he was with Dallas. He blitz, But then again, he had DeMarcus Ware. You know, he, he had a couple guys who get after passer. He's got Micah. I was going to say, he's got one that gets after the quarterback he pretty does, well. But I'll tell you what, teams teams can scheme away from that. They can. And they did. I mean, I don't even know if Micah Parsons was on the stat sheet for the playoff game against Green Bay. What did they score, 48? They took their foot off the gas early fourth quarter. But that's where... And that's where blitzing in exotic blitzes and bringing D backs in and doing other things with the blitz. That's how you take Parsons to me and you yeah. can still blitz him effectively because you've got to have someone else coming from other sides to, well, if you're, if you're going to try to scheme away from him, then someone on the other side's coming that they're not expecting. And remember Diggs got hurt early last year, the ACL he'll be back this year and he's an aggressive corner. I think would fit Zimmer's system even better then he'd fit Quinn's. But so but getting back, the main point was the Dolphins and the cap, and it looks bad on paper, but believe it or not, with the way they've got it situated, don't be surprised if the Dolphins on March 17th, you turn around and you go, wait a minute, they got $45 million in cap room? I, don't be surprised. Just saying. And they could keep a lot of their guys and save money against the cap compared to how their contracts were structured last year. By the way, what's Tua going to get? Well, I think he's going to get a long-term deal, and they're going to get long-term to make it as cap-friendly as possible, and they don't have a replacement. So, I mean, come on. Are are you really going to have anybody else at quarterback before 2026 at the earliest? No, I'm just wondering with the just the dollar figure that you think it's going to be. Yeah, I think it's going to be five years minimum. And it's going to be 200-plus. He's going to get 40-plus. Come on. It's just a question of is it 45? Yeah, okay. 
No, I, mean, I, I 42, 43, 45. I mean, it all depends on how much how you structure it. Five much. years minimum, though. So you think, I think? Well, I think they'll do it for cap purposes. Also, never mind the fact they don't have anyone to replace them, and they don't want to spend any resources in the next couple of years to even think about it. So, therefore, I think they will go at least five years. Burrow went five. Lamar, did Burrow go five or six? Lamar went five. You know, I mean, Allen and Mahomes went even longer. But I think it'll be minimum five. Hey, we don't have a poll question. I know. And the only thing that I've seen today that interests me is the fact that today's National Pancake Day. Let's do it. Give me some syrup. You're listening to Miller and Moulton, only on the Florida Sports Network. 21 minutes past the hour. Pat Kerwin to join us in a little more than 15 minutes. Seth Everett at the top of the hour. And we'll talk some hockey before we call it a show as well. And that's just before the Diamond District bonus hour. Miller and Moulton uh, in the same studio, which only happens a couple of handful times a year these days. So uh, Yeah, I didn't get the ticket to Brazil. Well, I haven't gotten it yet. All right. I just, you know, I've made tentative plans. That's all. You want to go to Brazil? Oh, man, I would love to. You want to do the show on location? Would love it. All right. Stow me away on Air Aikman. (laughs) Well, I was going to say, I mean, the good thing is, you know, I can get you a a hotel bed. I don't know if I can get you a room. You might have to share the room with me. Okay. I I don't think I can get a second room. But, I mean, I, I can get you a place to call it a day, if you know what I mean. We were talking about the scenery by... You know, a college pool. I was, not you guys. You guys aren't creeps like that. But you even talk about the scenery in Brazil. That would, that would not be Yeah, that, that's just, that's exactly what they want. Okay? They, <laughs> they want a 58-year-old guy who looks like me to, to be, you know. You never know. To be carousing around the streets going, oh, what a catch he is. Oh, my goodness. Uh, look at him talking to the ladies. Oh, oh you're he, going to the football game? He's got game. And they're like, <laughs> yeah, they only for them – Okay, it's it's like, right, it's like being in Ireland, you know, when the the Notre Dame's playing, and it's a big story. It's on page 11 of the sports section, right? That's the thing of all these games. Give the NFL credit. They are trying to broaden their brand. But when these games are in London, and I don't know about Germany, but I do know they're page six, page seven news. They're not a big deal at all. If you watch NFL Network, they make it seem that it's a monumental occasion. Well, it's Pravda. I mean, you know, what is the NFL Network going to do? Go, well, guys, I got to admit, I walked down the street and, uh, you know, here's how people are feeling about the game. They interviewed 20 people who are like, game? What game? I mean, you know, that's I I don't think Pravda would appreciate that. That's what the NBA Network should do during those games. (laughs) Well, no, because the NBA, when they play places, it's actually popular. Yeah, very much so. And they try to put a team with a player from that country in the in the mix. They do France. You know, we actually got into a discussion. I guess it was two years ago now because the Niners, I forget, Cardinals, I think it was, was in Mexico City. And you know me, R&D. And so I was asking the, the natives, if you will, I said, uh, NFL team or NBA team? Which would you prefer? And they were like, oh, NBA. In Mexico City. Mexico City. They said, yeah, NBA. They said, don't get me wrong, we love this. And they said, Niners are actually pretty popular here. Niners are, you know, Cowboys most popular. Niners might be second. I was like, oh, interesting. 
but an NBA team in Mexico City would be awesome. I mean, I think that would really work. Well, it will be interesting going forward. You know, you guys mentioned something the other day about the NBA is probably two years away. The second half of this decade. Like right now, the faces of the league are still LeBron and Steph. But, you know, let's get to about 26, 27, the second half of this decade. LeBron's likely going to be retired. I mean, LeBron's got three years left? I don't think so. Two? Tops. Yeah. Well, even the, even then, I mean, the point's well taken. By the end of the decade, it'll be... Well, I don't even think the end of the decade. I think by about no. 2027. You know, Steph will be at, what, 37, 38 by then? Steph might retire before LeBron does. Uh, no, I don't think so. I mean, his game, will he'll be able to keep playing. I just don't know if he will. But aside, the point is... That who will the faces of the league be in the next tier right now? They're all European. Everyone except Jason Tatum. Every single guy. And I would think for him to get to the status where he's the face of the league, what does Giannis have? Ring. What does Jokic have? Ring. Ring. All right. Now, this win by Yama's uh, phenom, he could be the face of the league in three years. He could be in three years because they are – I mean, the people who follow the league are ultra-impressed with the growth he's shown already this year. And he's very likable. Yep. He smiles a lot. He kind of has that Giannis likability. Yeah. Yeah. But if Tatum and the Celtics could get a ring, that would really help. I, it, I think to be the face of the league, like I know people have mentioned Luka, got to have a ring. At least got to play in the finals. But I think got to have a ring to be the face of the league. And playing for the Celtics sure doesn't hurt. Not at all. Not at all. But And if the league, not if, I mean, look at how non-American the league has become. And the American sports fans fine with it, by the way. Absolutely. I mean, they have nothing against these guys. Pay to watch them play. Love to watch them play. So this league is becoming more non-American. And does that lead them to, like, you know, we've always wondered, the NFL is trying to jam, uh, talking about franchises in Europe. But if the NBA sat down and said out loud, you know, we're thinking Mexico City, we're thinking Madrid, we're thinking it doesn't seem as far-fetched, does it? No, not at all, especially considering they have a team in Toronto already. Well, no, and and I think if, look, for this to happen, the leagues would have to explode in size. I don't think that we're sticking at 30 and 32 and, you know, well, no, and we know that the 30 to 32 is going to be Vegas and Seattle. I mean, that's all but done. Right. But this means that these leagues would go to 36, 40. Oh, yeah, they'd get nuts. They'd get nuts. But you know what? I mean, come on, we're looking at college football. What won't leagues do for cash? I mean, we talk about it in baseball. Why are we going to have expansion in baseball? For no other reason, Mark, why are we going to have expansion in baseball? Expansion fees, and the owners will make so much money off of the expansion fees. And I don't think they have to share a dime with the players. Nope. That's $2 billion for two franchises. That's $4 billion divided by 30. That's $133 million that just came in the mail. Do you really care if there's a team in Nashville or Portland? And do you really care if it affects the overall quality of the league? Hell no. Especially the blue chip owners who... 
will still Whether be really good. Whether they or not, already, a lot of them already have titles and all that stuff. So. And will still be good. The Yankees will still be the damn Yankees, no matter how many teams they put in the league. Time now for our play of the day. Our Molly made play of the day. Trent, what do you have for us? You very rarely see a half-court shot go in, a three-quarter shot go in, let alone for the win at the buzzer. So we have to go to Cleveland, Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse. I still call it the Q. But Cavaliers are hosting the Mavericks, pretty evenly matched teams, and they traded the lead with two great plays in the final 10 seconds. Here you go. Weaver has that tip by Mobley, but Dodgers gets it back. Dodgers steps inside Washington, puts it in. Two seconds left. The Cavs are out of timeout. They have to go 94 feet. Struth from midcourt. Oh, do you believe this? Thank God he didn't try to say, do you believe in miracles? But Max Struth, ex-Heat sharpshooter, he was sure sharp on that one. But the Mavs cover the three and a half points. Cavs win at 121-119. How about the Cavs? They're in second place in the East. They're still seven and a half games back of Boston, who's just rolling everyone. But this is probably the best non-LeBron Cavs season since Doherty and Price. No doubt. They're rolling. No, I took the Bulls, the late 90s Bulls. I think it was the 96 Bulls. I think they took them to the conference finals. Yeah. And there's your Molly made play of the day. Struce was perfect from uh, beyond the arc last night. I think he was 5 of 5, including that long bomb to win the game about 55 feet wouldn't you yeah. say midcourt's 47 so yeah. you would say it's about 55 feet and it was a good inbounds play because they he was running up I mean it was it was a great setup they, they, and, and the radio guy there did it no justice of the setup how they got him the ball nice little play yeah to go back to go back to him to get him the running start and take the shot it was a and a great play before that too oh Luca to just stay calm, get the ball back, throw it into P.J. Washington, who they just acquired from Charlotte. Good basketball. There's your Molly Made play of the day. Call Molly Made today, 774-5839. That's 239-774-5839, and give your spouse the gift of a clean house. I hear they like that. We just did it the other day. And then the granddaughter came over like four hours later and, you know, spilled their snacks all over the place, put her fingers on the windows. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it was great. $200 was wasted in four hours. You're listening to Miller and Moulton, only on the Florida Sports Network. And now, here's Mark Miller and David Moulton. 22 minutes before the hour, Pat Kerwin expected to join us shortly. From the Combine in Minneapolis, Seth Everett will join us at the top of the hour. We'll talk a little hockey one hour from now. Trade deadlines a week Friday. Lightning are the final wild card in the East. Panthers tied with the Bruins atop the division. Florida's got a game in hand. In theory that, well, if Florida's the one, we could have Florida-Tampa. Right. <laughs> we could. Uh, think about how the, right now it'd be Florida, Tampa. It'd be Rangers and Wings. Right. Two original Sixers who I don't Have know. Have really, if they've ever, I mean, in our lifetime, have they played each other in the postseason? I don't think so. I really don't. No. I mean, there's probably a cup final in the 50s or something like that. Right. But, yeah, uh, yeah, I'm I mean, sure yeah. they've played each other. Right. It's, it's obvious, the original six teams and all, but not, you know, Bruins wings. Boy, there's no sex appeal there. Okay. 
Never mind on the other side. I, I mean, seriously, that's and that's just the East. Pat Kerwin, kind enough to join us. You know Pat, NFL Radio, moving the chains weekdays 3 to 7. He's also part of CBS's NFL Today show. He joins us once again, courtesy of Pinchers, Tampa to Key West, all points in between. Pinchers, where you can't fake fresh. So, how was media day at the Combine yesterday? My goodness, everybody was talking. Well, eh, maybe not. I don't know. It's weird. Got problems. Can't get Pat on the computer. Can't get him on the phone today. I, and I really don't think it, it, it's him boycotting us. No, it's not. I mean, he booked himself on the show. And so he I, called during the break to say things right, weren't working. So. Right. So, don't know what's going on there. We're still uh, trying to come. We're debating whether or not to go pancakes, waffles, French toast as a poll question. Because it's not National Pancake Day. No, you got I, bad information. I got one website telling me it's National Pancake Day. I double double checked it and no, we no. missed it by two weeks. Yeah, it was right. it was in February the thirteenth. Right. It was two weeks yesterday. Right, right. So, but we're hungry. We're always hungry, and we always talk about food. So we could just go. I mean, there doesn't have to be a rhyme or a reason for pancakes, French toast, or waffles, but. We were thinking about, you know, this whole kickoff idea that Stephen Jones has and bringing back the kickoff and how would you best bring back the kickoff. And, Pat, I don't know if you heard me just there, but uh, we were pleasantly surprised by Stephen Jones suggesting out loud that, hey, I've got some ideas to bring back the kickoff. Is he a lone wolf here or is there something to this? No, there are people. There's a lot of pressure, I think, in the league office. Remember how they felt about the extra point when it was just a little chip shot and it was predictable and they wanted to make sure there was something to it and not that? Uh, I think the same thing has happened to them now that they see the kickoffs at dead play. I, I, kinda, I don't think anything will pass, but I think they're talking about trying to do something maybe like the XFL did. Uh, and I don't think he's alone in this. I think there's some pressure from Roger. Uh, to let's fix the kickoff so it looks like a real play. Do you think it's because we just had a Super Bowl with not a single kick return in it? I think that was the icing on the cake, uh, David, that that happened um, and that they don't like this when there's a, a play that's meaningless, and now it's meaningless. So, yeah, they're going to try to do something, but I think they're going to be in the discussion phase. And this is one of those classics. Uh, they'll reconvene at the next owners' meetings in June. So... I don't think it's going to get done right away. There's too many people with crazy ideas, and they got to harness all the ideas. But I do think when Roger Goodell says to that committee, uh, we got to do something about the kickoff, then, then they start going. And Stephen, he would not say those things unless he knew that there's some there's some action plans to start to figure out how to fix it. So, And he's yeah, on the competition committee, so that's important, isn't it, Pat? Yeah, it is very important, and he's on it. And he's the same guy that said to me a couple of years ago, he wanted to have at least a 50-man game day roster and mandatory uh, eight linemen active every week, and that never got passed. So, But he was the big proponent of that as well. He's not afraid to talk when he has strong conviction about things. So hopefully they're thinking about it because the kickoff is a dead play right now. All right. Um, the combine, Pat, I know you, you have to be there. Yesterday was just coaches talking. How How necessary is the combine anymore? It's still very important for the medical end of it. You, you just imagine these 300 guys going to 15 to 20 different facilities for a personal physical. The original reason for the combine is to get them all here with the doctors 
and knock out all the physicals. Um, and so that part of it is still the most important part. But what gets lost in it is the media hype and all this stuff that we do now. Uh, you know, I go back. I've been here a long time. I go back to Al Davis and one player in a locker room, and, and Al was taking a look at his stance. I walked in, and there was Al Davis sitting in a chair looking for this defensive end stance. And we were here for one big reason, and now it's turned into all this other stuff, and even the interviews are, are canned. So there, there are people that feel like the process has been watered down, but they know the medical part is still critical. Pat, if you take the 30, 31 million that the cap went up and you times it by the 32 teams, that's about a billion dollars that has been added to the pot this off season, if you will, and about nearly 400 million more than what they were expecting on. Does, do you think you will see that in evidence in free agency, or do you think the owners are still hell bent on basically, you know, paying about five guys on a team and shrinking the middle class? I don't think it's going to help the middle class at all. And, you know, the, the, no one's excited about the money. They're excited if they were over the cap and now put them under the cap. But I interviewed so many GMs yesterday, and every one of them said the same thing. Yeah, we were 20th in cap space, and we're still 20th in cap space. <laughs> That's what happened. So the, the money's relative. Everyone's got it, and they're able to use it. But as I said, some guys are using it to bail out of a negative situation they're in. But I do think that the rich will get richer. And I think the middle class, look, the league likes a lot of young players. It's a young players league. Why do you think all these draft picks make teams? So the middle class is done in my mind. And they don't even have a really good system to incentivize those guys to sign deals. Like if you don't get the minimum wage, well over a million dollars now for a veteran, you can't. Some of the guys have said to me, I agree to play, pay for half of that if, if if they would let me come back, but they won't let you come back if you if the team can't afford to give you the you know the minimum wage, which whatever it is. So it's kind of like yeah, the middle class is not going to benefit from this. Pat, we have some big name running backs that are all going to be free agents. They they're not going to tag any of them from the looks of it. We were discussing yesterday what type of deals they're going to get. Are any of these guys going to get more than you know with the way the league likes one year deals? How many of these guys are going to get multiple year deals? Um. Not many. Uh, maybe Saquon Barkley and maybe Josh Jacobs. Uh, a couple of teams that have some cap issues that might have to put a two- or three-year deal together and thin out the, the front part of it, maybe. But I think most of these guys are going to be in, in a lot of trouble to get paid. You can look at the, um, the option bonuses for the fifth-year first-rounders, like Najee Harris. It's only $6 million. It's like, it, you know, they have no leverage anymore, and they are really going to be in some trouble to get deals in a big, fat deal. I think Saquon Barkley is going to look back at the Giant offer and really regret that he never took it. The Giants are talking about putting a different tag on their safety, McKinney. First off, quickly explain that. And secondly, can a team put franchise tag one guy and put a, what is it, a transition tag on another? No, you only have one use of one tag, and it's your choice to use a franchise or transition tag for the listeners. Franchise tag, the average, of, I'll just be brief here, the average of the top five guys in his position. Transitions, the average of the top ten. People don't like the transition tag in the NFL because if someone wants your player and they have more cap space than you, they can structure a deal 
that you can't match. And so people stay away from the transition tag. I don't believe for a second that the Giants would uh, transition tag uh, their defensive back. I think they're going to land up franchise tagging them. He had a very good year, Xavier McKinney. So I think they'll land up using it and uh, go from there. Now, two guys have been tagged already, David. And the first things out of the GM's mouth to me was, you know, we could trade those guys, (laughs) which I don't believe you're trying to trade them. But T. Higgins, the coach said to me, he goes, no, T. Higgins is our other number one receiver, and we'll be very happy to have him on the field next year. So he was confident they weren't, he wasn't going anywhere, even though uh, they did suggest that he's tradable. Of course, it is true that they could trade him, but they won't. And uh, I don't think they'll be trading uh, Legarius Sneed either. So I think that the, the threat of the trade, and now they're going to let Sneed's agent go out and see if he can negotiate a deal. He's not... Negotiating the deal for the players, the easy part. Getting the compensation the club wants for them, which will be two number ones, will be the hard part. So, you know, you, I, mean, I used to send agents, yeah, you, see if you can get a deal, but make sure you don't come back to me unless you have what I want. And that's where they'll probably fall apart. So both guys, I think, will return to their teams. Do you think the Chiefs will end up signing Snead to a long-term deal, or do you think they're going to stick him with the franchise tag? Well, they got, they're going to put the tag on him for sure, and then I think they're going to end up doing a deal with him. Um, you know, those guys, I've said this before to you guys, the reason they have a dynasty opportunity is that they've created a ton of cap space. They've got cap space. They're the world champions, and they're going to have, if they want to restructure Mahomes, they they can end up with $75 million of cap space. Uh, Jets in a tough spot. They had an expensive left guard who wasn't that effective, but they're also down two other starters. So they cut the guard. They have to replace three offensive linemen. They only have five draft picks, and they have a decent amount of cap space. But, Pat, correct me if I'm wrong, this is not a good free agent class for offensive linemen, right? I mean, you basically, if you need a lineman, you got to go to the draft. Yeah, the draft is fat when it comes to tackles. Uh, it's really, really good, um, and it's not very good in free agency. So, yes, that's where you're going to have to go. And, uh, look, I'll say this about the tackle population. It's not just first-rounders. There's guys that are going to be in the second and third round that can play and play early. So, you know, you can't, you can't make a living just trying to have first-round picks. It doesn't work like that. But when you start looking, I'll give you a couple of names of guys that aren't going in the first round that I like. And they are, they are going to be capable of lining up next year and playing. And go look at the tackles around the league. So there's that Patrick Paul kid out of Houston. No one sees that going in the first round. 6'7", 330 pounds. He might break five flat in the 40. And he played at the senior bowl. He did a very good job. And line coaches like him. He's real smart. There's a guy, the Pooney kid out of Kansas, 6'5", 320. He's going to be a third rounder. The Pearl kid out of Illinois is going to be a third or fourth rounder. Uh, those kind of guys can play. Christian Jones out of Texas, he started to play a lot better last year than he played before. So the line coaches, I, this will sound strange to your listeners, I know a bunch of line coaches don't want first-round draft pick linemen. They like to find their guys that have the work ethic they're looking for, and they work with them. And they know first-round pick has to go on the field opening day, and they don't even want to do that. So they're pretty happy with what's available in rounds two and three. Justin Fields, is he going to get dealt this week? And if so, what are you hearing, Pat? I'm hearing a lot of stuff, you know, about him, uh, people that have coached him, people in the building that he always just, he wants to, this is a quote I got last night, he wants to play free. 
uh, and he doesn't really want to develop himself fully into what it takes to be an NFL quarterback. So there's a conflict there. Uh, I don't know that there's any team out there that thinks we're going to go get Justin Fields to save our franchise. Consequently, I don't think the compensation package is going to be very good. Pat got about a minute and a half. What happens today at the combine? Because yesterday seemed like media day, coaches and GMs talking. What happens today? Yeah, well, the GMs could care less about the 40-yard dash that's coming up. They're talking about the $40 million they're over your cap. It's business here. And they are still dealing with all those things. Option years, restricted tenders, voidable deals, franchise tags, minimum wages. You know, all that money that got poured into the cap, guess what? So did some of the, the values go up. So some of that money, a lot of that money is going to get eaten live by some of the things you have to do in the areas I said. So they're, they're doing business today and tomorrow. And the scouts can go time the 40-yard dashes. They are just not caring about that. This morning now, I start my player interviews, and I start them at, at 8.15. And it's going to be the pass rushers. I've already interviewed a bunch at the Senior Bowl, but I got Jared Verse right away, the first guy. Cool. Scott Robinson after that. Then the linebackers are coming in here. Uh, I've already interviewed Cedric Gray, and I'm going to get Peyton Wilson and Junior Colson. Then the inside linemen are coming in. I'm get, I've already done Sweat, uh, and I've already done Darius Robinson, who I love. I've done Michael Hall, so a Byron Murphy I'm going to get after that. So it's going to be, I don't know, about 15 interviews today, but those are the guys that I'm targeting early. Pat Kerwin, live from the Combine in Indianapolis. Pat, go to work. Thanks. Talk to you soon, fellas. Thank you. Pat Kerwin, NFL Radio's Moving the Chains. The show is 3 to 7 weekdays and on Sundays during the season. He's part of CBS's NFL Today Show. Pat joining us again, courtesy of Pinchers, Stamping Key West, all those points in between Pinchers where you can't fake fresh. Seth Everett coming up on the other side. We'll switch from football to, well, whatever the hell Seth wants to talk about. That's next on Miller and Moulton.